0: dental.com This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It is the last minute blues podcast, Donnie Fandango and Jeff Burton from 1057 The Point and former blue defenseman as well as team member of 101 ESPN, Jamie Rivers. Gentlemen, how the hell are you? Great to see you. You know what?
1: I was just sitting in the studio earlier and I looked out and I saw Jamie Rivers parking and walking in and I thought, it's going to be a good day. What does Jamie Rivers drive? Oh, oh nice Donnie, well, that you is yeah.
2: but, but like, very it's top, top secret. Nice.
1: It's, it's the oats bus. Oh, well, he was just... <laughs> That's actually where we
2: met, right? On the oats bus. Yeah. It's dropped off. That this was is, weird. This is, is my, a... this is my seat, young man. <laughs> you were there on a blind date. That was weird. No, Jamie Rivers drives a Dodge Ram pickup truck. Uh-huh. I'm a truck guy. Yeah. All right, that makes sense. I always sense. have. Even from like when we met in 94 or whatever the hell it was, 95, I had a pickup truck back then. Logistically speaking, yourself a hockey player, a bag of stinky hockey equipment,
0: two sons, stinky bags of hockey equipment. Shh. The truck just makes a lot of sense for like
2: just breathing purposes. At Did a you ride. just say I have a stinky bag? Yes, uh, hockey, yes. Bag. hockey bag, hockey bags. Yeah, well, that's what I meant. Well, oh, okay. either, you know what? Either or, probably. <laughs> <laughs> either or, Donnie. Let's just throw them. I mean, if you that's got a stinky funny. hockey
1: bag, you may have a. You know. It's not funny. You know what I'm saying. I so you can just so. throw the kids back they there too. They make powder for the- that now. <laughs> So much more fun back, am I wrong, so much more fun back in the day if your dad had a pickup truck back in the day. Oh, yeah. Because you got 12 you could kids drink in the back. back.
2: there. Oh, wait a minute. As a kid. No, I'm talking about in America. Oh, sorry.
1: Uh, <laughs> my always, I, My dad had nothing but pickup trucks besides the Stoner van when I was growing up, but we used to just get in the back of the thing. Here we are flying down Highway
0: 44 and we're just sitting in the back of D- it. So, so my dad uh, worked at a place in Hazelwood uh, that was off of um, uh, McDonald Boulevard. And going down in McDonald Boulevard, there's like this loop going towards the house, like not a loop, but like this little hill. And dude, my dad had this friend uh, who passed away named Big Al and Big Al would drive us, drive us down this hill, break ass neck speed so that we could hit the bump. We're in the back right, of yeah, the truck, yeah. not 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 locked in. Who needs nothing. six flags? <laughs> the only safety concern back
1: there was what? Well, don't sit on the wheel well. You're right. too high. Sit down. Right. Don't mean, stand was, up. Yeah. You, you might fly out
0: the back. Don't stand up, yeah. And like, Al, like, Al would like hit it just right, and it was so awesome. No idea that that could have killed me the 50 freaking times that we now, did uh, it. Man.
2: Big Al didn't oh, die gosh. because of that, did he? No,
0: no, okay. no, no, no. Big Al, uh, I think Big Al passed away because Big Al's dinner was like was like three frozen meals, 12 ding-dongs, six oh Cokes. Like, like Big Al got that name for a, for yeah, a he reason. He earned it. He yeah, earned yeah. It. But like as a kid, like I would go there to pick up my dad because my dad worked uh, till midnight. And so I go there with my mom and Big Al would always lay out all silver change so that I would be able to hit all the vending machines. So that dude was <laughs> oh, a friggin' that's hero pretty to me. Cool. Man. That's oh, awesome. yeah. It was it it's some of my very first memories of watching the tonight show with Johnny Carson with my mom before we'd have to go and, and pick up my dad. See, my my dad's friends, we would just play the underwear game. <laughs>
1: it's like Okay <laughs> Underwear <laughs> on backwards? Well no, we didn't actually have any on. It was find the underwear.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what underwear is Jeff wearing today? The thing that's so crazy, I remember th- like in thinking about all these friends of my dad's. There was uh, there was something very much in common that I think about it now. They were all big dudes. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like is your dad one- a big guy? Yeah, he's a big. Oh, dude. is he? Yeah, I, yeah. I've never met him. Have There's, I? No, you haven't. You haven't no. kept us apart. Right? Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, d- that's not a, by accident. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, my dad is so shy. If I thought that he would enjoy like coming in and like sitting in, I would for sure have him. But yeah. like he is, he's just a quiet guy. Do you Both think he could handle are. Jeff? I think he would think Jeff was
2: fucking hysterical. You mean like, oh, dude, on the
1: dance floor? Or what do you mean? <laughs> well, I'd
2: no. like to Come leave. On, Jeff, keep it clear. We're talking about Donnie's father. I
1: actually mean a dance floor. You Canadian. Goodness gracious. I don't even know what that means. Right. I don't All even right, know so what we're talking we about. about this point. <laughs> we now have a definitive date that is coming back, and it is,
2: you don't know either. Crickets.
1: Do
2: you <laughs> you I'm either divulge it. Look, look at the face. But he as, knows. As
0: far as we know, is everything still positive on that front?
2: Yes, very. I did screw with you yesterday. And yeah, I yeah, did. <laughs> so, uh, yes, I would so, don't even really so want to talk about it for fear that it could happen, dude. Okay, all right. Well, that's fine. We won't put it out. Let's there. just say this: I, Donnie was very excited that Troy Brower uh, was being moved through waivers, not for he not hates, because not Troy, because he like hates Troy, Troy Brower. Brower. Yeah, <laughs> nothing to do with Troy Brower, but obviously anticipating ninety-one on the return coming, you know, being soon. So he texted me, he says, 91, you know, everything? And I'm like, ah, oh, yeah. I gave him the too bad something happened and Brower's coming back and anyways. Yeah. Oh Dude, and
0: you God. waited for like a while to say that you <laughs> yeah, were joking. Yeah. So I'm like in my kitchen making dinner going, oh shit, man. man. This <laughs> is a bummer. I had it there for like 13 <laughs> minutes. I was so excited. Hey, real, a, a question about Troy Brower though, man. When you have got a guy like that that's a pro that's had a, a, a long career, a great career, obviously towards the end of that, and he's in a position like that where he's not playing. I mean, he's, he's, he's sitting. Right. What what is that like for him and how in Jesus' name, and we've talked about it kind of before on how you keep yourself sharp, but when you go that long without game action, how do you, is it all about the extra practices and the extra reps and all that stuff that you could get? I just would see that it would
2: be tough if you're going weeks without playing. It is, but, you know, I went through it a couple of times in my career in, in Ottawa when I played there, I was scratched for like 21 games which I'm certainly not proud of, but we had a hell of a team. We won the Eastern Conference that year, all that and stuff. And it's fun to say Ottawa. Ottawa. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the, the 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 key to it is practicing hard every day like it's a game. And your teammates know it, too. And if you get a little rough or you get a little rambunctious and they don't like what you're doing, you say, hey, look, I haven't played in 10 games. I got to stay sharp. And right. they, they respect it, you know, and then they see your eyes are crossed and you might have. Touched a nerve, and then they go, okay, let's leave him alone. Right, right. Yeah. He's probably about to kill someone. But, um, but, yeah, you have to stay sharp in practice. And the biggest thing I did is I stayed involved. I showed up for every team meeting. I showed up three hours before the games. Even though I wasn't playing, I was in the locker room. I taped my stick. I got things ready for practices and things like that. I'd ask to go out for a warm-up just so you get everything simulation-wise except for the game sit in on the PK meeting, the PP meeting, the the whatever. now you're always informed. You're not losing touch with things. So Troy Brower, I'm assuming he's been doing a lot of that. Uh, but he's a veteran guy, right? So if you tapped him on the shoulder right now, guarantee he could go in and put you together a couple of really good games without having a problem. That's where you really defer back to your experience that you've had. And that's why veteran guys are important. And look, Troy Brower will be back for the playoffs for the St. Louis Blues. He'll have to go down to San Antonio where he'll be happy as the end of your career. Like when I went down to the minors at the end, wasn't happy about it, but it's just a different feeling. You know, he, he just knows. He, you're he, kind of a yeah. coach, right? right you yeah. go down, and all the guys look up to you. Troy Brower's got a Stanley Cup ring. You know, it's like holy crap. You know, he'll go down. He'll practice. He'll play. The coaches will bounce things off him. He'll help the young guys. He'll get recalled for playoffs. He'll be there in case of an emergency, where if you need some grit or an extra guy or things you need to change. He'll be available. And he's really cherishing this last year, I guarantee it. Because right now nobody else wanted to sign him. Yeah. So one thing is he made free money. We'll call Mm -hmm. that. Because, you know, he wasn't going to get signed anywhere else. So he got a contract. He's been paid by the blues, even if you're not playing, he's making some money. It's not it's not horrible. And he stays in the game. And he'd probably this year absorbing so much more so that if he wants to continue on and coach or scout or get in management, He's really retained a lot in his last year. That's the advantage of having a year like this as your last year, is you're able to process it and go, okay, I need to be paying attention. When your career is cut short because of injury or something like that, then you go, damn, I wish I would have. Sure. You know? So
1: here's my question. We are very spoiled with the Alumni
2: Association here in town.
1: I I know what you do for a living. I know Shh. what... Well,
2: I said a living. They're not really doing all that well. Um, wow. Apparently, he's seen the truck that, I drive. That, Maybe that's that why I brought thing, it up.
1: And that other thing. No, but my whole point is what do players. Re- I guess what I'm trying to say is I know what a lot of the blues alumni do because they stay here and they get into the organization or they just work with the alumni association, which is a job, by the way. That people yeah, there's get paid only a couple for. of
2: spots for that though. There's only like two spots on the alumni association, and and Bruce Affleck, who's the godfather, yeah. of the blues alumni. You know, he's the guy that has a full time paid job. After that, we have. Um, Beth Riccardi, who's our admin girl. Actually, she handles everything. I should mm-hmm. give her more of a title than that. But that's her title. Uh, and after that, that's it. Well, I
1: guess my point is what would something like a Troy Brower do after this? And what do most players do if you say, that's hey, yeah, question. you know, they stay in the game. But what do they do? Are, are there just This a bunch is an of... hour-long and, conversation. But well, in general, a bunch of ex-NHL players are scouts out there right now. Advanced scouts or, yeah, or no. whatever. And I assume
2: or, a bunch of you dudes because, you know, run hockey camps and things like that. And Yeah. Well, here's the thing, okay, guys? Troy Brower, he's been very fortunate, and I don't know what he has in his bank account. But just if you look at his career earnings, you would think that he doesn't need to go and get a job next week. Okay? You would think. Now, sometimes there are circumstances that you don't know about and guys are struggling, and it is what it is. It's a reality. Getting out of the game is hard. It's hard to find your space in life because you don't have any experience in anything. Dude, again, it's all you have been doing since you were five right. years old. So you leave the game, and if there's not a coaching spot available in the city that you want to be in, well, guess what? You have to travel again. So now right. you're on that roller coaster of being all over the place. Your family, you're uprooting them. Even if you get a head coaching job, every two, three years you're uprooting because nobody lasts more than three, four years now. You're right. fired. Right. So Todd Ewan, do you guys remember Todd oh, Ewan? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Okay, Todd Ewan was a master of many things. He wrote children's books. He wrote music. He did all this crazy stuff. He invented things, stuff that nobody knew about. When I got out of the game, I was struggling. Even though you have the hockey camps and that, that's a lot of work. Like, nobody realized those hockey camps, it's like 13, 14-hour days. Oh, I bet. for, and,
1: and I would imagine it's not and this is not a shot at you, but I'm sure it's, it, it takes a minute to build that up too, right? Well, of course like, it does. It's not like, hey, yeah. I, I'm a retired engineer, and then you have 100 kids come to your place. No, but
2: I'm used to talking to NHL players, right? So yeah. now sell the product that you're trying to t- talk about to, to kids who mm-hmm. don't know how to cross over yet, who don't yeah. know how to stick. I can tell – what am I going to tell? I have to go right – I have to strip it down to nothing and learn how to teach kids how to do it and how to make it easy. Yeah. Um, so Todd Ewan, to backtrack a little bit – I was I had a talk, I'm like, I just don't know. Like, I'm kind of lost. It's kind of depressing as, as it was. And he said, listen, man, he's like, you have a Ph.D. And I looked at him. I'm like, okay, like, I know you've been in a lot of fights, you know, <laughs> and which is sad because obviously he took his own life right. and, and, and bad circumstances there. But he just said, I, I looked at him kind of cross-eyed, and he says, you have a Ph.D. in hockey. He's like, there's only, what, 5,000 guys in the history of the NHL that have your experience. He goes, and half of those guys are probably dead by now. So he's like, think about it worldwide, what you have to offer. Now you have to figure out how to use it. He goes, that's it. He goes, you have your PhD. He goes, you're no different than a guy who just graduated from Harvard who has to make his own business or start up from scratch. He's like, you are your business. You have a PhD. How do you monetize it? Wow. And I went, huh, well, I guess this is what we do. And I started a company called Synergy Hockey, Mm -hmm. as you guys know, uh, some great local partners and, and support and that kind of picked up, and then the media stuff has picked up, too. Once again, based, if you go back, it's all on my hockey PhD. When we talk about things every day, it's not because, you know, we don't talk about engines and, and motors because I don't right. know anything about that, right? Sure, yeah. So we talk about hockey because you guys are passionate about it, and I have what I would say is experience and knowledge in that. So once again, I'm using that PhD, and I'll never forget that advice from Todd Ewan. How did it How did it come to be then – Because we've talked about it, just briefly
0: touched on it, where you had said that Ken Hitchcock had came to you to work with Blues players. Yep. So did that come about through your Synergy Hockey? Did
2: he just see how you were working with the kids and love it? And then how did that come to pass? Uh, Well, oddly enough, I started working with uh, Al McInnes' kids and Keith Kachuk's kids. And obviously we know whatever
1: happened to them. Yeah,
2: (laughs) obviously we know the Kachuk boys. uh, They've been fantastic, and they were really, really hard workers. And
1: Al's kid has made his NHL debut, right? Al's
2: kid and uh, Lauren, his daughter, plays college at Northeastern, and Riley, the youngest, plays U eighteen AAA Blues right now. So, yeah, some good players. So I had that on my resume, and so Al and Walt had kind of talked to Hitch and said, "Hey, look, you should maybe ask Riv if he'd like to skate these guys." This was the lockout was looming. Mm-hmm. And so Hitch contacted me right before the lockout and said, hey, I'm going to try and steer guys to go work out with you. Can you handle it? I'm like, Absolutely. He goes, well, what are you going to do? And I went through a, a list of things that we do for what I do for skills and why I do it in game situations and relevancy. of it. And he was like, you're in. And
0: That's so great.
2: Andy McDonald and Alex Petrangelo and David Backus, Barrett Jackman, they all called me separately. And then we got together and I had about 10 to 12 guys on the ice every day, and then it got larger and larger and larger as a lockout was coming to an end to the point where like 20 guys on the ice, and Hitch knew it, and so when lockout ended, Hitch invited myself and Sean Farrell, who's now the video coach Mm -hmm. for the Blues, to go and help run training camp, and we did. Hitch never touched the ice in training camp. The coaching staff watched while Sean Farrell and I ran the entire training camp for practices, systems, all that stuff. Everything that Hitch was directing, of course. Right. But we ran it all, and by doing all that, you gain the confidence of the players. And to this day, because of that, I still uh, go out and work with Alex Petrangelo and now the younger guys who come through. Was, it, was this when you guys were at the Mills still? Uh, no, this was Hardy's. Oh, that was Hardy's. Hardy's, oh, wow. okay. okay. yeah.
1: That, that long ago. That, okay. long, ago, that long, long ago,
2: and then now it's all carried forward. Well, now I'm still training guys and helping guys and getting out there and doing things. That's well, how do you
0: ride then that line, Jamie, of you know, you know these dudes on a, on a on a personal level uh, that I could only hope to, to, to reach. Right. Uh, but, but how do you, how do you balance being a coach for them? Somebody that they respect and trust, but then also, pardon me, having to criticize them from time to time, if they have a not great game or a not great time, That's got to suck, man.
2: Well, it's kind of a coach, right? Think about it. I guess you're right. right. You know, and yeah, it's but like you're not being, doing that publicly though, yeah, but, man, but, but here's it's the like thing. being the
1: parent or your kid's friend. You know what I mean? you got to separate the two.
2: There's there's definitely some juggling that goes on there. Um, but the biggest thing that, that I always have said is I'd rather have you call me an asshole than a liar. hmm And so for me, everything I say, everything we talk about, it's based on my knowledge of the game and facts. So it's not like, oh, I don't like player X because I just don't like him. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't cut it. That will get me in hot water. Because I' will be like, well, screw you. I don't like you either. Right. You know. But if I say player X, Y, and Z had great games because of these things and player B, D, and C had bad games because of these things here, they know that. Right. And they also know that I'm earning a living by doing this. And if I'm not truthful, my credibility gets shot. Guess what, guys? If you don't want me to talk about the negative things, play better. Okay, so Hanko comes back. Let's just say he
1: starts in what, – what, oh, tonight, there's a game tonight. I'm, I'm forecra- forecasting. There's a game tonight, his first game. Do we need to be concerned that first time he gets hit? Because last time we talked about this, you were like, we got to make sure that when he gets hit, it doesn't immediately happen again. What's the process there? Like, if he gets hit in his next game,
0: he should yeah. be
2: okay as long as it's a normal, quote-unquote, hit. Like, right.
0: how do they double-check, triple-check yeah. that, that, or do that, that he's ready to roll? Until he's hit.
2: Well, first of all, they have all the workouts and the physical therapy that would say that all his range of motion and his strength are all A-OK to go before he even touches the ice, before he shoots pucks. So then he starts shooting pucks. You elevate it now. Now he's doing drills where there are systems, a little bit of bumping. He's probably wearing a no-contact jersey, which he was, so so guys know not to run into this guy even by accident. And then you progress it. And then you have him skate extra after practice or before practice, and you get some a little bit of bumping on there. A little bit. Okay, of I was
1: going to ask. Is this a dumb question? Did somebody check him? Well, yeah, but you don't see. like
2: line him up, right? So the the official line him up hit. You can't simulate that for the simple fact of what if it's not even a shoulder injury, injury? What if you right. knock his head off yeah, and now he's point. in concussion protocol? Right? right like, yeah. so I should be laughing about that. That doesn't make sense, <laughs> right? So. You do bang around as much as you can. You get him into a small group. You play a little two-on-two game. The healthy scratches will jump in with Vladdy. And you say, hey, look, this is game situation. So in a small area, you really can't get a lot of speed going to recrush somebody. But there's resistance constantly. There's pushing. There's shoving. There's spinning off of guys. There's breaking free of checks. So he's going through that protocol right now. He didn't make the trip to Anaheim for the game tonight. Did go through some rigorous training today. I, and he's going to be ready to possibly come back Friday, if not for sure on this road trip, which is like ten day road trip for the Blues. Right, he's yeah. going to have his bags packed, and he's he's going to make his his debut. You, look
0: at this! It, look no, at no, the smile no, on this yeah, guy's face. No, over because there. I was thinking about this. Okay, I was thinking about this from just like so. Like you're you're Burton. You're hurt. We're on the same oh, team, is he ever. and we're getting you back up to to speed. Uh-huh. The fun. Of those battles with your friends, when you're trying to test them, when like you're really trying to give it to them. I mean, within you know, you're not sure. trying to hurt them or anything, yeah. but you're really trying to test them. I feel like that
2: would be a ton of fun. Like, uh, well, it is, but you got to remember now. I mean, that I know it's work, but they're doing it with the healthy scratches, right? So at the same time, the healthy scratches have to stay sharp. So the coaches are out there watching, seeing if healthy scratch A and B and C are up to snuff. Can they handle Vladdy? Are they ready to stay in a game? Who's going to be the first guy we put back in the lineup? Well, guess what? This is the best simulation you can have because you have three hungry players against a guy who you want to come back from injury. They're going to get after it. This, This is where the practice fights Come from right? It is. Yeah, it is. A lot of times it happens that way because there's frustration. Now they would never have one out of this situation of not, because because yeah. Vladimir would beat the crap out of him. Yeah. He would just call the Russian mafia, and <laughs> we basically would never see player X or Y. Yeah, they would never get their again. ass beat, not right away, yeah. but
1: they would get their ass beat.
2: Like the little pieces of them would go missing <laughs> from week to week. <laughs> be a, be a, the players' estate would need a new vehicle. Once I it laugh was over. and I joke, but hey, you guys over in Russia, you know, I paid you your tab. Yeah, <laughs> we're Thank all you good. Guys. You Love told you me guys. we were square. All right, so leave me alone. Boy, the fear I don't drive life. a Dodge Ram pickup. It is face, not black.
1: That is real, right you know,
2: there. Yeah, what? I had to backtrack disclaimer on that one. Sorry, boys. <laughs>
0: I had a. I had. to be done. I had the chance to watch most of the game on Monday night, and it seems like the Blues had a freaking ton of chances. To only get a goal there is a bit disappointing, and I know during the broadcast, because I had listened to a little bit, and then I'd also watched a a bit, where on both broadcasts they had said that the Blues had taken a lot of shots and had a a lot of chances, but were not creating a lot in front of the net for deflections, for, you know, some of the dirty goals. Dude, is that sort of something that's been popping up lately? Would you agree or disagree
2: with that? Well, look, I think they're... uh I think they're doing a, an okay job of penetrating. Yes, could you always have more? Would you like to have that playoff net presence all the time? Yeah, you would. But I think Craig Berube kind of summed it up the best the other night after the game: "Is hey, we need some scoring from the forwards. Like in Chicago, both your goals from defensemen. The other night against Florida, a defenseman. Yeah. Like you can't go two games in a row without a goal from your forward. Yeah, I mean it just doesn't. It shouldn't happen. And so they, they've got to figure out a way to generate more offense from the guys up front." I, I'm not down on them. I think they're doing a fantastic job. Certainly we're still in first place. However, they were working their asses they off. They were that, working uh, their ass but yeah. you know what? Florida did outshoot us, outchanced us. You know, they're working their asses off, but they still could have more opportunities at the net. And okay. even against Chicago the night before, it took them a while to establish that middle lane drive, that net presence, that dirty area game. Once they did, they started getting more chances as the game went on, but they gotta get to that game sooner.
1: So tonight is the uh, game in Anaheim that they're making up. Jay J- Bomeister was a month ago today that everything happened. They're yeah. starting one and, uh, one-to-one, one doing the whole game. I don't even care about all that stuff. If you want to bring that stuff up, that's fine. My question that I asked Herbert today, and I want to ask you guys, is if you were Jay Bomeister, because he didn't go on the trip from what I understand, would you want to be there,
2: yes or no? Not yet. See, I'm different. I'm absolutely – get me in there. Like, you know what? Like you guys- I, and I
1: don't mean to play, obviously. I'm just saying, would you want to go
2: there and be no, with I the team? I understand what and, you're saying. And, and, yeah. and be there for them? I don't know, man. Look, you I guys know. know my history, and you know what happened with me. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't wait to get back to the rink. You know what? I'm, I wasn't afraid of it. That's me. That's my personality. I'm a little different, Okay. Like, if I have something that I cheat death on, I'm going back there again because it's not going to get the best of me. Mm -hmm. That's the way I look at it. And so, Jay Bomeester, totally different personality, and this might be too soon for him. You know, I didn't have to confront something a month later. For me, it was like a month and a half, two months later. I had time to process things a little bit, um, and, and mine didn't happen on the ice. So, that's a little different, too. His happened right there on the ice on the bench. It's probably best for him just to chill sit back, relax, and and enjoy it, but certainly pull for his teammates. I don't think one guy in that locker room thinks that Jay Bomey sure doesn't want to be there for them. Yeah. You know, that's for sure. Yeah. I I, definitely, I don't know if I could or not, but also I wouldn't want
1: to be a distraction to the team. If I would be, I don't know. Well, they're that already going to have enough to deal with, Jeff. Yeah. Like
2: Robert Thomas talked about it uh, briefly the other day, saying this is going to be really hard. It's yeah. kind of haunting us to go back there and – and you have to think, Jay Bowmeister, yes, he experienced it, but when you talk to him about it, doesn't really remember it. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't remember anything he. First memory
1: was on the gurney
2: in the elevator? Yeah. Or
1: elevator. In in the ambulance. Ambulance. Yeah. And he hasn't
2: watched it up to the point where he had that conversation. I don't know if he's watched it since, but the guys who were around him, they lived it. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's always a different traumatic experience for guys who were around watching it. And certainly Robert Thomas, a young guy. Vince Dunn, who was right there, as yeah. we know. Alex Petrangelo. You know, these are the guys that are going to have those, you know, those feelings of, oh my God, we're back in this area or in this city, in this rink. So, but they got to win a hockey game. Yeah. The Avalanche are right on their heels. And I know it's awful, but it's got to be business, guys. You got to go there. And if nothing else, Craig Berube. I don't even think he has to say it.
1: That, that was going to be my follow up. Yeah. Does he? Does he bring it up pregame? Does he even? Does no. anybody bring it up? Is it just the white elephant in the room? They already know.
2: Players yeah. will probably bring it up a little bit and be like, "Hey, boys, you know what? I know we're tired. We've had a grind here. This game's a pain in the butt because we just played back to back. Then we flew cross country. But we're here for a bigger purpose tonight. We're here for the two points, and we're here for one of our teammates. You know, yada yada yada. Let's finish out this game, this whole chapter for for Jaybo." Craig Berube probably not going to talk about it. You know, Craig Berube's famous for putting those things, the distractions, behind him. You remember the famous hand pass, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not talking about it. Yeah, we're on in that. And also,
1: he he puts it on the players, which only brings them together and, and you know self motivation. You know, yeah, you don't need the coach to motivate you in something like that, which is good.
2: Yeah, so. let's,
0: I want to change this up here real quick before we get out of here. I, I've been mystified about this since the game last uh, Sunday, when Vince Dunn handed that dude his ass. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Why did Let's he skate back why, why did he skate back to the penalty box like he had just won the fight like a freaking goddamn champion of the boxing ring He just got his ass handed to him by Dunn I think it's cuz my...
1: my favorite meme was when you get hit so hard you thought you won the fight Oh okay that's well, he was well, doing this
2: yeah That's quite possible all jokes aside he may have been like he might have had the egg scrambled up yeah. top quite a bit It took him a second to get it up It took him yeah. a second to get up he probably and then there's a there's a level of embarrassment that comes with it There is. Because you just got your ass handed to you in front of 20,000 people and however many are watching on TV. And imagine it was International Women's Day and all the female broadcast team was there. So you imagine there's probably twice as many eyeballs on that game. And this dude just got fed his lunch. Mm -hmm. You know, after yeah. trying to start the fight with Vince Dunn. And so you go off and you try to just like a boxer gets his ass handed to him for ten rounds and then the last bell rings and he puts his hands up like he's gonna get the decision. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. Good nice try there, Buttercup. Uh-huh. Yeah. It ain't <laughs> happening. So that you know, I think that's what happened is he got to the point he was like, Holy shit, I just got my face pounded in. I'm just gonna sell it. like, Yeah, I won! Where's that's the bench? Right? Where's the bench? I'm
1: just
0: I get got to the, the title. Yeah. yeah. It, is, it is so amazing to me too to watch Blackhawk fans after we win again. And their de facto fault
2: now is well,
0: St. Louis sucks anyway. Right. Yeah, well, their right. hockey team must be good, but St. Louis, the city,
2: you know what? Listen, St. Louis is better than some of those pieces of Chicago. I'll tell you that uh, much. I, I drove through there, and oh my lord, dude, those those that, <laughs> Roll that em up that fan base.
0: I don't know Roll. that I could dislike them anymore.
1: Oh, I'm the same way because man. it's oh. because
0: because to me they're intertwined with Cubs fans, yeah. And that to me is just, bleh. you know, they go after
1: the city now because they can't say, oh, you've never won a cup. Right. You know, that's what it is. They default to the city now.
2: Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And they don't even have a clue. It'd be like saying to Chicago, hey, yeah, we're going to completely grade your city on Cabrini Greens, which is your roughest part of the city that has the most crime. But we're going to just totally, that's exactly how we're going to portray Chicago is Cabrini Greens. Well, no, you can't do that because every city has areas that they wish were better. So you can't say, hey, St. Louis is a s- shitty city because of... This area or this is going no
1: no St. Louis is a fine city. Come and live here. I'm going to Chicago Blackhawks fans. Please listen to how I'm describing St. Louis. Here's where I want you to look. Up there where the rafter is, it says Stanley Cup champions. Right. And also uh, the standings. Why don't we just look at that? Right. Just for a minute, and you guys enjoy your golf game here in a few
0: weeks. Right. Because here's what you got to do though. If you're going to look at those standings, Blackhawk fans, you're going to want to look up. Okay, because that's where we are. <laughs> You're down low. We're up high. This is way better. God damn it! I it hate the black. Ops. I know, I but just, we have never
2: them. been able to do this in 52 years. Yeah, no, it's always is. well. When you when have you won a cup? Yeah. Well, now guess what, motherfucker? We won it last year. <laughs> right, <laughs> right.
1: I'm sorry. We changed our name from St. Louis Blues to. Uh, defending Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues,
2: Thank or we went, you.
0: or we went blue. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no. Okay. Sorry. Who's your Brett Hall?
0: It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton from 105.7 The Point. Our homeboy Jamie Rivers, former St. Louis Blue and current team member at 101 ESPN. Download the podcast. Share it with us. Follow. We're on all. Uh, we're on all the major download outlets now. Spotify, uh, all of them. Uh, so rate us. Tell them that you like us. We really, really appreciate it. And as always, let's go. Blues. Back next week. The Last Minute Blues podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Peloton,
2: let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors, we're gonna pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes. From running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial